Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome to the Law and Blockchain Podcast, hosted by Amy Wan, CEO of SageWise, a safety net for smart contracts and consultant for Security Token Academy. Hi, this is your host, Amy Wan. Um, thanks for you know uh, tuning in for another episode of the Law and Blockchain podcast. We have a special guest here today who comes from much more of a state perspective. This is, we have uh, Andrea Tinia now. Okay, let's, let's, oh my gosh. Okay. That's let's, okay. Let's That's right. Okay. Okay. That's right. It's, it's Tiniano. 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 And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Three, two, one. Hi, this is Amy Wan. I'm your host for the Law and Blockchain podcast. On today's episode, we have a special guest here who provides much more of a state perspective on all this blockchain stuff. Um, please welcome for me, uh, Andrea Tiniano. Tiniano. That's good. Okay, <laughs> one more, one more, one more. <laughs> one more time. Look, tinny sound, tinny sound. There you go, Tinny Ano. Tinny Ah uh, No. Okay. 119. God, sorry. Okay. My brain also still hasn't come back from the cold. I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Hi, this is Amy Wan with the Law and Blockchain Podcast. Um, our special guest here today provides a special state perspective on all stuff uh, blockchain. Her name is Andrea Tiniano. And Andrea, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure, Amy. Thanks for having me. Great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself, your background, and how you got into all this blockchain stuff? Sure. Um, I'm a Delaware lawyer. Uh, before I went to law school, I, I did marketing and business development for 10 years. And I was working uh, as the assistant general counsel and VP of business development uh, for, for several years when I was recruited by um, the Markell administration in the state of Delaware to join the secretary of state's office and to, um, to direct a new, to, to lead a new division called the division of corporate and international development. That was in 2014. Shortly after I got there, I learned about blockchain. Um, through my friend Marco Santori, and uh, <laughs> and soon after that, he introduced me to Mark Smith over at Symbiant, and together we uh, created the Delaware Blockchain Initiative, which was launched by then Governor Jack Markell in 2016. I was put in charge, and uh, <laughs> the rest is history. Um, I can tell you a little bit about what we did. Uh, with yeah, the definitely like <clears throat> the long list of things you've done there. <laughs> well, we, we, yeah, yeah. We, we were the first jurisdiction uh, to come out in favor of blockchain technology and support of the technology. And it was our governor, Jack Markell, who gave a big speech at the consensus conference in 2016. At the time, he, he threw his support behind the technology and he made a formal ask of uh, Delaware's Corporation Law Council. This is a group of sitting lawyers 
whose uh, goal is to review the law and make objective is to make uh, suggestions and make amendments to the law, which is then reviewed by the state legislature. So he asked the Corporation Law Council to to take a look at the law and um, expressly to, to amend it to allow for companies to record their their um, shares on a blockchain, have their stock ledger uh, sit on a blockchain. And he, uh, he also committed to using blockchain in state government, and he appointed me as the ombudsperson for the state, really to, to direct the blockchain initiative. And that, like I said, that was in 2016. I was uh, with the state till um, 2018. And I, I, I left last year, and I've been working as a consultant for the last year. Fantastic. So I, I and just to, to follow up on that. So as I mentioned, the governor asked the Corporation Law Council and the Corporation Law Council, um, these lawyers, uh, this is back, I guess, in 2016. They took that job pretty seriously. They did a lot of research. It was in the, throughout the spring and summer. They, they met, they brought in experts to consider whether they should amend uh, Delaware corporate law. At the time, what's interesting the language um, in the corporation, uh, the law statute that talked about um, corporate records, it referenced a uh, corporate officer, basically that the corporate officer would be um, updating the records. And the concern, the concern was that if you had a corporate officer person who was referenced as the, the, the one to undertake, you know, updating the records, then how could, how could that coexist with blockchain technology? Right, because blockchain would be decentralized and it would be the smart contracts that would be um, essentially serving to update the, the, the stock ledger. <clears throat> and the, uh, the lawyers in this Corporation Law Council, they, um, they after all their research, they, they agreed that, they, that this law should be amended. And it was changed so that, actually there were several changes, but one change was that they removed the language of the corporate officer and, and put it into place that that networks basically they said something like networks and uh, databases could could serve to update the records uh, for the first time as well they defined what a, um, a stock ledger the components of the stock ledger and then they made other other changes that would facilitate the use of blockchain technology for uh, recording corporate transactions and updating records including the stock and it was the first time that, that any jurisdiction had, had done anything like that. So, you know, Delaware is kind of ahead of the entire pack, right? And now you, you know, obviously now you're starting to see other states looking into it. Um, what were some of the, the challenges you guys faced? I mean, did you have to sit there and literally explain blockchain to, you know, glassy-eyed conservative folks at the state who are like, what are you talking about? You know, well, what's interesting, one thing I would like to correct you, Amy, um, I think in 2016, when, when Delaware and the, and the governor at the time, Jack Markell, when he made that announcement, I would say we were way ahead of the pack. And the fact is there, there really wasn't a lot out there on blockchain, very little, precious little on written academic articles, professional articles. Um, and at the time, uh, yeah, I mean, once I learned about blockchain and I did my best to share, I mean, I was just sending articles to everybody uh, to, to get them up to speed. It, they were not glassy-eyed. In, in Delaware, people, especially the lawyers, are pretty active and innovative. And 
and and I had been brought into state government because they wanted um, they were looking to they wanted me to identify strategies uh, to drive new revenue to the streets to the state. How do we? I mean, they'd ask, oh, how do we leverage our position as a corporate leader? You know, how do we do this? Yeah, and I was out there every day meeting with people, trying to find ideas, and and frankly, I went through a lot of ideas. I had a lot a lot of <laughs> before I I uh, came upon blockchain technology, but. Um, so the folks there were, were pretty darn, I think they were interested, but you know, part of it was when you've got a governor who was that, um, involved and, and cared and, uh, engaged asking the lawyers to please do this, they, they pay attention. And as well, mm -hmm. my colleague at the time, Rick Geisenberger, who was the head of the division of corporations, he got it immediately. So it wasn't very, it, it, it was very, very quickly. We created a coalition of folks at the state and lawyers who were actively researching and looking into this and seeing if this would be, uh, this was worthwhile. And, and frankly, really at the beginning, everybody uh, seemed to think this, this was worthwhile, not just changing the law, but also that we should um, record, or record our filings to a blockchain our, and make it permissive. Um, so that if, if, if a company wanted to um, incorporate and then have their uh, information from their certificate of incorporation on a blockchain, they, they could do it. It wouldn't be mandatory, but it would be mm -hmm. permissive. And, and frankly, as we started exploring that, there was, there was actually quite a lot of support. And the reason why I said I, I have to correct you is because um, it's now 2019. And although the state did uh, pass that legislation in the summer of 2017, from a technical standpoint, um, they really haven't haven't done this. They really have have made very little progress. They they actually switched vendors. They've been working with Symbiote now. They're working with with IBM, and they haven't. We we're well. No, we haven't seen anything yet. So they've got a working group, and they've got a working group, but but we haven't seen anything really. We haven't we haven't seen any anything, anything produced. And meanwhile, you know, you have a lot of other states that have. Uh, started using blockchain technology, done pilots. Um, mm -hmm. Wyoming is just going gangbusters. Yeah. <laughs> the work that they're doing in Wyoming is they're, they're laying this infrastructure for um, a, an entire um, crypto blockchain um, economy, economy, which is phenomenal and, and providing clarity and, and regulations and structure and infrastructure uh, which is attracting so much, so much business. So I still live in Delaware. It makes me a little sad that even though <laughs> Delaware was first, they, they, they stepped back and, and, and seem to be, um, you know, just treading water. At least that's what it, it seems here. And meanwhile, you have other states. In this past year, it's been very exciting because I've, I've spoken to people, enthusiasts from California to Ohio to Connecticut. I mean, Wyoming all of so many jurisdictions and not just states, but cities, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy, you know, and, and I always yeah. tell my kids, if it, were, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. But yeah, but people, people are trying to, they want to launch these, um, they want to launch blockchain initiatives. Some, some of sometimes they're doing it from the state. Sometimes they're doing it in the private sector. And, um, and, and, and so we talk about sort of, what their objectives are or what the challenges they're facing and, and every jurisdiction, it's a little bit different. Sometimes they have the support of the legal community. Sometimes 
there are intermediaries or incumbents who are trying mm -hmm. to slow them down. Yeah. Um, what, what, I, what I try to help people focus on is what's, what's the opportunity in your jurisdiction? What is, you know, what, what, what are the assets that you have that you can leverage? Um, because I think in every jurisdiction, it, it, it's not necessarily going to be the same. Mm -hmm. Although I do, I, I do have to say that I, I think that in every state, people should be considering how to, which is where we started, how do you record those UCC filings and those corporate filings onto a blockchain? Because it would be great. And this is what I wanted for the state of Delaware when I was there. I, I didn't want to call it the Delaware blockchain. I, I just wanted to get started with a blockchain. And actually, I had started doing that, reaching out to other states to see if they wanted to be a node and they wanted to. Uh, you know, just leverage what we had created. Mm -hmm. um, and, and actually, not only were we looking at putting um, corporate filings on a blockchain and UCC filings, but we had started working on putting our public archives on a blockchain. In wow. fact, the very day when Jack Markell made that speech, we had, or we had recorded um, and added to the blockchain, to the Simeon's blockchain, um, certain public documents. So he went out there and he said, we are the first jurisdiction to have our documents on a blockchain. And, he was telling the truth. So um, that, that was my hope. And it, it still is my hope that, that uh, the states can work together. I, I don't see the states as competitors. I see them as collaborators. And, and frankly, you know, we, what we did in Delaware with our law, you know, Wyoming actually uh, emulated and they tweaked it. In, in, in Wyoming, <clears throat> in Wyoming, a shareholder on a stock ledger can be represented as a private key, as a key, as code. <laughs> in Delaware, there has to be a, a name. You have to know who you're issuing your shares to, whether it's you know, through a, uh, it could be through an agent or a, uh, an entity, but in Wyoming, uh, no, you could have a string of code and, and that's, <laughs> that's, that's what they allow. So yes, um, it's it's a different it's a different way of uh, looking at things, but but like the, I said, I, I think that what happens is the states see what works and they they take the best of everyone's uh, legislation and they make it their own and then um, you know they they copying you know it's it's flattery it's it's the best form of flattery right you know the listener so this is audio only so the listeners can't actually see my facial reactions but when you were telling me about you know Wyoming you know it someone can be represented by a key, but I think my, my eyebrows went up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I read it too. And I went, whoa, that is, well, you know, Wyoming, they are, they, are, they are libertarians out there. They're free spirits and there's no taxation, right? And they don't, they, um, they're just really tremendous uh, innovators and free thinkers. Of course, uh, Caitlin Long is, is out there as co-founder of the Wyoming Blockchain Coalition, my friend, and, and uh, she's, she's helping lead the charge out there. But yeah, yeah. yeah do you want to touch, actually touch briefly on what Wyoming is doing and what they've, what they've done? Sure. Um, well, what's really interesting last year is that they uh, enacted legislation that basically define what is a utility token. I mean, I know that, that, that term has come out of fashion, but the idea is yeah. you have a token that could be used to purchase, could consumptive token to purchase a product or a service. And they, they fashion rules around that. So if, 
if a company or you know an, an issuer were to somebody were to issue tokens and these, these types of tokens and they followed the rules, they wouldn't be found under Wyoming law to, to, to be issuing a security. And what's really interesting is that in this legislative session, um, they're creating a uh, a new class of assets and uh, digital assets that will be a a part of the UCC code, Uniform Commercial Code, mm. uh, under the intangible section. So digital assets are defined um, and they have uh, various categories. Uh, one is uh, cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, one is uh, digital securities, and the other one is um, for digital, they call them sort of utility tokens, they call them digital consumer tokens. And then there's a catch-all for really anything else that, that might um, be a digital asset. Just to, just to back up for one second, because yeah, sure. a lot of the listeners are attorneys, but there's some who are not. Okay. What is the UCC and why is it important? Sure, sure. So the Uniform Commercial Code is a set of laws that govern commercial transactions between parties. Okay, very generally. And unlike federal law, the Uniform Commercial Code is uh, drafted by a group of lawyers. And the idea is they, they, they create this, what they call a uniform code, and each state can modify it or not. And then each state adopts that code uh, through its state legislature. Mm -hmm. so, um, so even though this is now, this, this law is being considered in Wyoming, this is a new chapter um that they're that they've, they've drafted and it could be that other states could decide that they want to adopt it to or, or not but what it does is it, it seeks to provide clarity around the way digital assets are um are treated under the law and this will uh provide protections for creditors and debtors creditors who are taking security interests in these types of digital assets and the and the debtors who are putting them up as collateral. Uh, so that's that's kind of a big deal. That is a big deal. Um, the other thing, the other legislation that they are um, considering, they've introduced, but um, has not yet passed, as I understand it, is that banks in Wyoming can qualify to be uh, qualified custodians. Mm -hmm. Which is for for that, and that's that's really important for you know institutional use of crypto and investing, and um, that's that's pretty that's a pretty big big deal too. So the idea is banks will be qualified custodians. Um, they also have legislation to create a fintech sandbox that will be reciprocal with Arizona. Arizona has passed this type of law, so the idea is a fintech sandbox just to create even more flexibility. Um, they have uh, uh, additional, they have uh, legislation relating to um, state chartered banks that would be depository uh, banks for crypto, but with no mandatory FDIC insurance. So uh, if, if uh, the banks want to provide services to crypto um, owners, um, they can do it. Uh, without any kind of, uh, in an unfettered way, uh, without reliance on, without connections and, and regulations by the FDIC. Again, this is something that uh, crypto folks have been clamoring for. Many of them have become unbanked and this will give them, again, it's, it's about providing clarity and 
um, I guess, a, a, a reliable way of doing business. And, yeah. and people in Wyoming are supportive of the technology, supportive of the industry. And I think they, what they're doing is they're attracting a lot of professionals. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they make clear that, you know, they want, they want honest people. They, <laughs> you know, it, I, I get the feeling that ethics are, are pretty important and they don't, you know, they don't have any um, um, time for people who aren't going to act in, you know, the most upright way. So I think they're attracting high quality people who want to do business in this industry and they're creating the infrastructure. I think big, broad infrastructure for doing blockchain business in the state. And it's it's pretty exciting. So I want to, you know, circle back to a point that you mentioned earlier. You know, you said, you know, Delaware has passed um, all these laws and regulations and and clarified um, a lot of things, at least legally. And right now, it's really, for in terms of adoption, it's really a matter of the technology, which is it's actually funny for me to hear because I literally was talking to a company yesterday that said, you know, laws and technology, that's our challenge and our pain point. The tech part is actually the easiest part. Um, Do you think that perhaps it's um, best for the state governments to be trying to build and craft this technology themselves or should they incentivize say startups to build it or, or, you know, what, what are your thoughts around that? Oh, oh, that's, that's easy for me. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I think there's, there's some great technology. Like I said, I've been working with Symbian and that was the company that we were working with when I was at the state of Delaware. Um, states shouldn't be building <laughs> blockchain technology. Um, they should be working with really good tech providers, um, and, 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 you know, different blockchains have different areas of specialty and focus, right? right. Um, so just like they, you know, they, the, 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 what's really interesting is jurisdictions work with vendors all the time and service providers mm-hmm. all the time, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's or Oracle or some other uh, infrastructure company. So, uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard jurisdictions or people saying, Oh, if you work with a blockchain company, what happens if the blockchain company goes out of business? That, that issue comes up all the time uh, <laughs> and they have protections. And, and so, um, what's, what's kind of interesting about Delaware is that they passed the law to make very clear that companies can, can issue their shares, uh, on a stock ledger. And, and frankly, um, that led to all these tokenized securities in, in Delaware. And, and, you know, it may be that the, the blockchain amendments didn't necessarily uh, authorize those tokens, but, but in most of the cases, the, the token, it, it's still legal. It's just that they yeah. need amendments to do that. So I, I, I think, I think the, what, 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 the, the, what the new law, what the Delaware uh, blockchain amendments did was really galvanize um, and spur uh, companies to start tokenizing and, and using blockchain technology in the issuance of in, in the issuance of shares and, and capital raising. But it's unfortunate that I, I don't think that they're necessarily reaping the benefits or all the benefits that, that they could have done if they had actually moved quickly and um, created the infrastructure to actually allow companies to record their incorporation information on blockchain. 
you know, very so, interesting. Yeah. So, so there is, so, you know, companies have been flocking to Delaware Fund Corporation and, and maybe, yeah. and because of the courts and the laws and the jurisprudence, mm-hmm. the excellent judges, but, uh, and, and it, it may be that more companies have incorporated because of the blockchain amendments, but uh, Wyoming is uh, making a play for that business. And, <laughs> and actually what's, and I think they, they're, I think they're, they're probably going they're, they're, They've got so much, they're gathering a lot of steam. And in fact, one of the uh, pieces of legislation they're considering is a business court. Yes. A business court <laughs> that would, could hear disputes on crypto and other issues. And um, so um they, very interesting you know, that, that that could that could um make some major incursions into you know potentially could create incursions so incursions if you could how, if you could summarize you know aside from delaware and wyoming um i know you're getting calls from you know folks in other states what are the general attitudes over there um i think jurisdictions are trying to figure out how they can use blockchain and I'm finally, finally, I've been waiting for this, how they can use blockchain to drive revenue to their state. How can it become an economic catalyst? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the beginning, when people wanted to talk to me about blockchain, they're like, what kind of, how are you going to reduce the number of lines of the DMV? And how are you going to use <laughs> blockchain to make people's lives better? And I just wanted to say, I want to use blockchain to bring a lot more money into my state, billions of dollars. That's what I want to do. And I think that that um, jurisdictions are beginning to realize, wait a minute, if we offer new services, we, we could charge more or we could offer services that we, we could create value that we never had before, or we could take this data, we can unlock the value in data that's just sitting in our files, but with, without, and, and, and without um, breaching anyone's privacy, you know, right. but, but the data has value, data has value. And, uh, Especially, you know, with blockchain, you can consolidate the data, you can manipulate the data, you can, and, and like I said, it does have value. So I, I think people are thinking about that. And they're thinking about how do we, as government, work with, use blockchain to interact more uh, productively with private industry. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in Connecticut, they're looking, they're looking to create a blockchain initiative that would support the insurance industry. Interesting, right? They've got a huge yeah. So this is this is these the things, and you know, this is coming. And this was a woman that I I was speaking to. Um, you know, her idea. She brought it to state government. She took it to the governor, <laughs> and 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 there and people are receptive to these ideas. So that's very interesting. Very 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 interesting. So it sounds like we're very much at the, the genesis, the very beginning of this larger ecosystem around blockchain meets law and corporate governance and all of these things. How long do you think it's going to take for us to kind of reach that tipping point where, you know, this kind of stuff isn't counted as super, super novel anymore? Oh, Amy, I, I you know. <laughs> <laughs> I Will we ever reach that tipping point? Maybe you know, that's a I better mean, question. In 2016, when I thought Delaware was, was going to just do it, I just thought Delaware was going to do it, and then everyone would follow, and it was going to happen very quickly. Uh, I think what's going to happen, whether it's Wyoming or one of these other states, is going to demonstrate the value and have tremendous success, and then 
the other states are just going to go gangbusters. Um, one year, two year, three years, under five years. <laughs> I, I, think, I think there are some very smart people in state government and they get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, I think that um, blockchain is not so novel. I mean, it's still novel, but uh, there are trusted companies that are using blockchain now. And, and I think that um, we will start seeing movement very soon. So let's, let's actually take the reverse perspective, right? Like you've already talked about like why blockchain for states, um, why should they re- be revamping their systems? It'll bring in additional revenue. Let's talk about the actual companies, right? Like why should the CEO of a startup company or even a mid-sized private company or even a public company, why should they think about blockchain for their corporate governance? For their corporate governance, well. Or even their ledger or whatever. Within well, their, you're talking about their why business. should a company maintain a stock ledger on a blockchain? Uh, that's, to me, that, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, if, you're, if your stock ledger is a smart contract, you can program, let's say it's uh, shares that have to be held for a year, or you, want, you, will, you will always have a perfected cap table. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's you, you will program in the um, the rules set forth in your governing documents and your charter documents. You need you need a quorum to vote. Uh, you could have the voting would be a part of that smart contract as well as part of the the, the stock ledger. And so you it, it kind of makes it foolproof. <laughs> Whether it's um, if you are able to program your corporate governance into your stock ledger and tie that into your voting, uh, tie that into certain communications that need to go out to, to shareholders, you will save time, you will reduce disputes, you will maintain your charter documents on the blockchain so that you will never have a dispute over which is the control. Which one it is, yeah. Oh, we have like, um, yeah. document, um, you know, uh, as a Delaware lawyer, and I was a, a uh, law clerk to the chancellor of the Court of Chancery, uh, and my friends uh, are corporate lawyers. I know that often there are disputes about which are the proper documents, who are the proper directors, mm-hmm. was, a, was a vote proper. Um, when you are able to take the, co- the, the rules defining the, the governance for the company and um, create a smart contract that that reflects those rules and um, issue shares. You will never authorize, you will never um, issue more shares than authorized. <laughs> um, it, it just goes on and on. I, I just think there are so many benefits and I, um, I think we're gonna start as, as um, more as services are made available to companies so they can easily access the technology so that they can start programming their stock ledgers and um, I think there will be um, the, the benefits will will just be abundant, and they will um, start to use it. And one would imagine that, and then when you've got private companies that go public, one would hope that they can continue to use their perfect, perfectly perfected uh, cap table, and then they will not have to see their um, their stock certificates to the DTC. And the SEC will comply, and then we will transform the capital markets. How's that? 
<laughs> you painted the the vision of an entirely new like legal financial ecosystem absolutely <laughs> and that's what we were trying to do in delaware i mean that was really what we were talking about in 2016 and that's what the lawyers and that corporation law council were mm -hmm. talking about if we do this if we change the law if we let companies know that it's okay to use a stock ledger we are creating a foundation that will change the world forever and they knew that and they they recommended those laws be changed knowing full well that this is where it was going to go that was yeah. their mission too yeah very interesting well you know you you talked a little bit about changing the financial ecosystem um do you want to tell us very quickly about your work at the wall street blockchain alliance Sure, I am a volunteer there. I, I want to clarify because um, someone contacted me and was haranguing me about being an employee. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not an employee. I'm <laughs> just, you know, I'm a volunteer, I'm, I'm a lawyer, but they asked me to lead a, a new working group um, called the Enterprise Solutions Working Group. And it's comprised of lawyers and tech folks and consultants and um, companies who are interested in, in using enterprise in, in developing enterprise solutions and so it's a brand new working group we'll be looking at best practices creating templates um, bringing in tech providers and and uh, developing creating events and, and, and deliverables products to help people who are interested in um, using blockchain at the enterprise level. It's, it's brand new. Um, I encourage your listeners to contact me or you so they can, or the Wall Street Blockchain Alliance, that we, will, we have um, meetings once a month. And I think it should be a, a pretty darn interesting and a worthwhile endeavor. Fantastic. Well, you know, there's, there's, I feel like there's so much we can always talk about with you. Um, but, you know, we are, we're approaching the half hour mark. So let me ask you this. How can people engage with you, follow you, find you, sure. read about all the stuff you've been Sure, doing? sure, sure. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much. Um, I write for Forbes.com. And so if people are interested in seeing what I'm working on, they can, uh, they can go to Forbes.com and do a search or search on my name. Um, I don't know, uh, T-I-N-I-A-N-O-W, that's how I spell my last name, and it's Andrea, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn, so those are two ways that people can, can find me. Great, fantastic. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us. Amy, it's my pleasure, thanks for having me. All right, take care. Bye-bye.